0: Welcome to Advocacy for Inclusion's Supported Decision-Making Podcast. This podcast series is made possible through the generous support of the ACT Office for Disability. I'm Rob Donnelly. I work for Advocacy for Inclusion. We're a Canberra-based community organisation advocating for people with disabilities. We also report on broad issues that have an impact on people with disabilities across Australia. In this podcast, we're going to explore a particular aspect of the lives of some people with disabilities and how it shapes the way we might best support their decision-making. There are some people in our community who do not communicate through spoken words. They communicate their likes and dislikes, their thoughts and feelings and their choices in other ways, Ways that are commonly described as non-verbal communication. Now they're not alone in communicating non-verbally. We all do it. We convey our thoughts and feelings through body language. A smile, a frown, crossed arms, the way we stand, a shake of the head, a nod, a raise of the eyebrows. A great amount of our communication, in fact, is not through spoken words. Similarly, for people who do not communicate verbally, communication can happen in a range of ways. Through physical gestures, such as a nod or shake of the head, or even squeezing a hand. Through different behaviour, indicating like, dislike, happy, unhappy. Through written communication, or through the use of assistive technology, such as communication apps on an iPad or tablet. These many and varied ways of communicating can express wants, desires and choices as truly as a spoken word. A simple gesture is communication. Behaviour is communication. A fist hammered on a table is, probably an indication that something's wrong or unacceptable. A smile and clapping hands is a pretty good sign that something good is happening. Even silence can sometimes be communication. Learning the way that the person you're supporting communicates is an essential first step in the process of supporting that person's decision-making. The process of learning includes not just the way that person communicates, but also how they process information. Both elements are essential in the process of decision-making. A few years ago, I supported someone who was on the autism spectrum. I supported him when he was engaged in community activities. Quite often, during the day, He had choices to make, but the process of focusing on those choices was sometimes challenging for him. Over time, I found I could do something simple in supporting his decision-making. Where the decision was between two options, I would put out my two hands, name one hand as one choice, and the other hand was the other choice. Trial and error showed that this visual cue helped, and the young man communicated his choice by touching the relevant hand. Sometimes supporting another's decision making is as simple as that. It's all about trial and error, noticing what works for the person in front of you, building rapport and giving positive feedback. I also worked with people whose communication was behavioural. I knew one person who communicated that he was not happy with a situation by smacking his forehead with his palm. He communicated he was happy by gently brushing one hand over his other hand. His communication was a clear expression of preferences and provided a basis for supporting him through decisions. In his case, support involved bringing the decision-making process into his terms of reference, his like or dislike responses. It worked well for simple choices. A yes, no question such as do you want to go swimming worked well Larger choices or decisions, such as making decisions about activities for the next month, required some creative support strategies, such as having picture cards representing different activities that could be put into like or dislike piles. I should add, he expressed delight through a broad smile when he was taken seriously as a decision-maker, and when he was able to experience control over what was happening in his life. Assistive technology such as communication apps on an iPad or tablet can open up the range of communication with someone who communicates non-verbally. These apps often use a combination of words and pictures that the user can select to communicate a message. Somebody might push a button with a picture of a person pointing to themselves, I, and then a button showing a person reaching for something, want, and then a button showing a person walking out a door, go. So, the decision, I want to go, is communicated through pushing three buttons. These apps can be helpful for some in moving beyond the more limited communication of yes, no, like, don't like responses. It's important to learn what you can about the decision maker in order to support them well. Methods of communication and the best way of presenting information is important. There can be helpful resources in the person's life which provide helpful information. The person you're supporting might have a communication profile which will provide important information about how to communicate well with the person. They may also have a book about me, a book that explains everything from the person's likes and dislikes to what works well in communicating with them. Sometimes a person might also have a chat book, a book that provides the person with some helpful pictures and words that they can refer to when they're communicating. It's important to check with the decision-maker before accessing these resources. Is it okay if I have a look at your communication profile? It might help me support you better The way a person communicates and the way they process information are not the only things that are important to know. There's often other information that's important to know about a person you're supporting which can make a huge difference in setting up a decision-making situation for success. Are there particular environments or situations that the person finds stressful or distracting. Decision-making is easier away from stressful and distracting situations. Are there particular times that are best for the person? For example, if they're a night person, then the early morning probably isn't the best time for them to be trying to make a decision. If the person finds a lot of activity overwhelming, then a quieter day might be the best option for thinking through a decision. Is there anything in the way other people might interact with the decision-maker, or even things they might say, that might be triggering or upsetting for the person? Clearly anything that might be triggering or upsetting needs to be avoided. So supporting a decision-maker needs to involve considerations about the time that's best for them, the environment that's good for them, the communication methods that work for them, and how information is presented to them. In other words, there's no one-size-fits-all approach to supported decision-making. Best support is always going to be individualised. Thank you for deciding to listen to this podcast. I hope you decide to come back again.